Welcome back, Red Devil Sports fans, to yet another edition of the Speak of the Devils podcast. With me today, I have my co-host, Sammy St. Jean and Dom Fusco. Boys, how are we doing today? I'm pretty good. It's doing good to be great, back. Yeah, good to be back. <laughs> doing good, doing good. <laughs> all right, we got a full slated episode for you all today. Uh, later on in the show, we're going to have Elena Clancy on, a cross-country runner and um, Blue Mountain Battalion cadet. Uh, for Dickinson's ROTC program. Uh, but in this first segment, we're going to get into the, uh, the NBA finals a little bit and uh, some NFL talk and uh, recently breaking news, which I guess we'll start off with first, is that Nick Saban, the head coach of the uh, Alabama University football team, tested positive for coronavirus. So what are your thoughts on that, boys? Yeah, I mean, that one's pretty big, especially because not only is getting COVID just not good in general, but they have their game against Georgia this weekend. So it'll be interesting to see whether they actually play that game or not. Having the two and the three seed in the, uh, the in the rankings, you know, going head to head, that'd be a big game to have to postpone in an already condensed season. Yeah, that's really tough. And not having, depending on if they play or not, if they decide to play, uh, to be honest with you, I still think Alabama is going to win that game. I think they're too good. They're like a well-oiled machine right now. Mm-hmm. So I think with or without Nick Saban, they're probably going to beat yeah. Georgia. So I don't know. Yeah, the tide is definitely rolling right now. Uh, no question about it. I don't know if the the absence of Nick Saban will, will stop them enough to uh, to give Georgia the edge because uh, they they look as good as ever. I mean, yeah. just a couple games that I've watched, they've – they look just as good as any other championship winning Alabama team that I've watched. So uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. There've been a couple offsets this year, so maybe Georgia can pull one off again. I was going to say, I'm going to go on the record and say, I think Georgia will win this game because of their defense. Sammy St. Jean with the bold take to start us off as per usual. Dom, do you have a, do you have a, do you have a, Oh my goodness. Do you have a prediction for us? Uh, I think Alabama is going to win 33 to 24. That's my prediction right there. That's it's going to be relatively close, but I think Alabama's going to edge them out. I also agree. I'm, I think Alabama's going to going to take this one just because they've they've been plowing through pretty much everybody that they've played against so far. Uh, and I'm going to say score. Uh, I think it's going to be. We'll see. Let's go 42 to 28. Going to. I don't think. I think Nick Saban's absence isn't going to isn't going to hinder them that much. And in fact, it might even up their plans a little. They might have to plan a little better. And then in that, in terms of that, they'll, they'll, they'll be able to prevail. I don't trust Alabama's quarterback. Plus Georgia's run offense has been very good. Alabama's run defense has been terrible. And I genuinely like Georgia's defense. They looked really good, um, especially, and they haven't lost a third quarter all season which is one of the most pivotal quarters in the game, really important turning point. So I think that's important for them to control. So I'm not sure the score, because I really don't know how it's going to play out, especially because Georgia using the running game so heavily. So I'll, I guess I'll go 35-28 and uh, see where it goes. Solid score, solid score. So you guys want to move on to the uh, NBA finals? What's up to you guys? NBA, Braun won the championship. Good stuff. <laughs> kind of had a cakewalk there. You know, it's his fault. It's not his fault. But nonetheless, he took care of his But Pulling for the Heat and see them that they were going to win. But it was in just a matter of how long it was going to take them. So congrats to LA. They won it for Kobe. That was cool yeah, that, that happened. So 
Yeah, the Heat definitely they had a uh, they had a good run. They pushed it to six, like Dom said. Uh, Jimmy Butler it was a fantastic performance, uh, but you know the Lakers were just they they outmatched them pretty much in, at every position. So it was expected. Uh, it was congrats to LeBron um, and Anthony Davis for getting his first championship, which is pretty cool. Uh, all those guys, all those young guys and stuff. So I mean, that's really all I got to say say about it before I uh, before I spark the. Uh, ESPN Michael Jordan versus LeBron debate but yeah I mean personally you know. I yeah I genuinely think that LeBron having you know the injuries that the Heat had that series going to six actually hurt his legacy his argument in that Jordan debate I mean it, it, since the, with Gordon Dragic their leading scorer in the bubble and um Oh, I might bam out of bio. The only person who can cover Anthony Davis on that team injured for a couple of games. The fact that they didn't close out in four absolutely blows my mind. The, the, the talent gap on those teams was astonishing. But the only thing that LeBron and the Lakers didn't have until game six was the same drive that Jimmy Butler was playing with. Jimmy Butler's back definitely hurt after that series. Yeah, I can't agree more with that. And I think the NBA should have done just the top 16 teams make the playoffs and not eight from the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference because the West is just simply so much better than the East. And I think they possibly missed an opportunity to do something really cool, whereas they just took the top 16. I mean, a lot of people probably won't agree with me on that, but I think that could have been something really cool that they did was, you know, just go – the top 16, have them go at it. It was going to be, the bubble was different. So why not do yeah. something a little bit different there? I mean, I was going to follow up with you, Dom, and just say like, that's a really interesting idea. But the one thing that's going to change in the East, especially with the Nets getting Kevin Durant and Kyrie back, I feel like the quality of the East is about to go up. And I think it hopefully will even out a little bit, especially with those two star players coming back for that one team in particular, it's going to be a contender kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, the East is definitely going to get better. I mean, the Nets are probably already one of the favorites to go ahead and win that win that division. But um, and I know my Sixers are definitely in trouble because the front office is still there. So that's a whole that's a whole other topic. That I Doc won't, Rivers won't, won't really get into. Yeah, Doc Rivers. Yeah, that's all. That's great and all, but you know, that's the head coach. Yeah, Brett Brown needed to go, but he wasn't really the problem. It's it's always been the GM, Melton Brand. It's always it's always been the front office. So. You know, but uh, one thing that I did when we'll get into this a little bit in our third segment, uh, but I wanted to preface it a little bit. ESPN obviously took the opportunity as soon as they like two minutes after they won the Lakers won the championship, bring up the LeBron versus Michael Jordan debate. Um, I honestly myself don't really know where I stand at this point, just because LeBron has been doing it for so long. And I've, I have never really watched Michael Jordan um, and I've only ever seen LeBron. So. Uh, I'm interested to hear what you guys think, um, and we can obviously get into that in the third segment a little bit as well, but just some preliminary thoughts from the boys. I'm going to save my input for the third segment. Totally cool. Yeah, I mean, I'll just say one thing, and, and I mean, I kind of touched on it with LeBron kind of struggling in the last um, yeah. game, and I won't compare the two necessarily, but the one thing I think that genuinely hurts LeBron in my eyes is he's not like a cold-blooded killer. He's not the guy that's going to go hit the game-winning shot. I think that was really emphasized, I believe, in um, the second-to-last game, game five, when he passed the ball off to Danny Green, um, who missed the wide-open three. And 
I think any uh, one of the comments um, was actually from Damian Lillard, one of my favorite players, and I think he said it well. He's like, he made the right basketball play, but I still would have shot even covered by all three of those players. And I think that that killer mentality, that mob of mentality that some people have, I just don't think LeBron has that, and that genuinely hurts him in my eyes. And that might just be a personal thing, but. Good stuff. I think we've wrapped up the the finals of the NBA. Uh, we can jump into the, uh, a little bit of the NFL and what's going on there before we jump into our uh, interview with Elena Clancy. Um, I know the Eagles played the Steelers this week, and it was another disappointing loss. Um, just lots of different problems all over the place. But there is a, a bright bright light at the end of the tunnel, and is he's from Old Dominion, Travis Fulgham, a breakout practice squad player yet again for the Eagles, which is unbelievable. I don't even, I don't know how they keep doing it. Um, but as far as the, as far as the rest of the league, um, they, I think the Titan, the Titans were back on Tuesday, which was pretty cool to see. And I think they, I think they won. Uh, so I'm glad that all the teams seem to be back right now. And I think Cam Newton's coming back pretty soon. So, uh, what did you guys see this week? Yeah. I mean, I, I was actually pretty, had my locked eye, my eyes locked on the Colts game. Um, being a Colts fan and my second favorite team being the Browns, just being a Baker Mayfield fan. So that was a, just an entertaining game to watch, but you know, Cleveland, I think, especially with this week going up against the undefeated Steelers has a chance to either solidify themselves as a contender or a team that's just been fortunate enough to, you know, top the Cowboys and the Colts and teams that might just be posers as much as I don't want to say that the Colts might be posers. I mean, they, they've looked really good. Baker's looked much cleaner. Um, Maybe coach, I believe coach Kevin Stavansky, I believe is their new coach this year. I, I hope maybe he's got him in control. Maybe he's uh, he's figured out Baker. And uh, even without Nick Chubb, they're playing well. So we'll see. I tuned in to, I did tune in to the second half of the Vikings game just in time to see if Ross Wilson come down, hit DK Matt. Already was pretty pretty damn good, but he's turning into a uh, certified stud. And Russell Wilson has just been playing out of his mind. The Vikings are frauds as they are every year. And that was about it. I watched a little bit of the Saints and Chargers the other night. Justin Herbert, very good player. I think he's going to be very good for a very long time, even though they didn't get the win. Saw some good things from him. Uh, I used to root for the Chargers a little bit when I was younger because I was a big Ladanian Tomlinson fan. So if I can tune into any Chargers games, I try to. I'll take, yeah, that's that's good stuff. In other news, um, Kansas City went down uh, this week as well. They uh, they lost to the Raiders in a uh, in a shootout. It was a it was a wild game. It was going on at the same time as the Eagles game, so I only caught the highlights. Um, but you know, Patrick Mahomes threw a pretty key pick um, towards the end of the game that sealed it for them. And uh, now they're, they are no longer undefeated and they are, I don't even think they're ranked number one anymore after that. So uh, that's definitely an interesting turn of events. I mean, the Raiders do look, they look good. I mean, they have a bunch of young guys. I mean, Josh Jacobs looks fantastic. Henry Ruggs looks awesome after that sick combine that he had before the draft. They were, he was definitely the right pick for them. So that's, that's all I got on that really. Yeah, I mean, Seattle, I think, is uh, number one in the power rankings right now, followed by Green Bay. I think those are the top two. But there's only four or five undefeated teams right. left. Um, yeah. 
So, I mean, I don't, I don't see any of them staying undefeated. No, no, I don't, I don't either. But you know, one thing that does really blow my mind is, and every time I see this on my Twitter feed or my Instagram feed or something, I don't understand how Russell Wilson has never gotten a single MVP vote. It just, it, it blows my mind. He's been like a top, for me, he's been a top five quarterback in the league for the last like couple of years. Like he's, he's been awesome for every year. He's really hasn't ever had a down year and people continue to sleep on him for some reason, but he's clearly one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. And he does it with his legs and he does it with his arm too. He's proven both ways. So I, I, that, that's something that still blows my mind and I wanted to get off my chest. And uh, I a hundred percent agree. Stuff so now you good, Dom? I'm good on that's I'm a good on football for this week. <laughs> sounds good, sounds good. We will move right along into our next segment with uh junior Elena Clancy, cross country runner and Blue Mountain Battalion cadet. We'll see you soon. Now, back after our first segment, gotta always get our word in from the Grazery healthy, not boring. That's not just the motto of the Grazery, but it is also their promise to you. Visit the Grazery today and indulge on fresh. Mediterranean-inspired salads, sandwiches, and soups, among other great options on a menu that serves both breakfast and lunch. Eat in or take out. No reservation needed here. So hurry on down to 156 West High Street, just yards from the campus, and enjoy a fresh and feel-healthy meal today. All right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another interview with the Speak of the Devils podcast. Today we have none other than Elena Clancy, class of 2022, Stud cross-country runner and member of the Blue Mountain Battalion uh, Dickinson ROTC program. Elena, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me on. Of course, no problem. I'll start it off. Um, what's it like being on campus right now with nobody around? It's crazy. Um, we go to the CAF and the tables are six feet apart and it's really quiet. There's maybe, I might see five people walking around in my day and that's it. Wow. So are you kind of, are you supposed to stay within the people person that you live with and not really see anybody else? Cause I know, isn't everybody in Goodyear at the moment? Yeah. So they have all the freshmen in townhouses and there are a few people in factory. And then as of right now, there are zero positive COVID cases on campus. So we're allowed to be around each other within reason um, and just socially distanced gatherings and calf meals. So obviously, Sam, Sam mentioned that you do cross country. So how are you still including that kind of training in or communication with your coach during you know this time? It's probably a little easier for you actually since you're on campus. Yeah, well, and also the amazing thing about running is that we don't need our teammates to practice. We can run on our own as much as we please. So we've been having weekly meetings with our coach and then he'll send out a training plan and from there we'll be able to do runs on our own. But there are actually a number of girls who are on the team that are on campus and around. So I've been able to do workouts with them, which has been really beneficial. That's great. We just had a run for Steph this past week. Um, I know every time, like when we're in person, um, the cross the cross country and track team just blow by, blow by the, the baseball team and everybody else. Um, is that, do you guys build that into your program or is that kind of just off a whim? Just, yeah, we're just going to go do the run for Steph or is that like a part of your season? Yeah, that's absolutely part of our season because I think it's a cool opportunity for us to really show up for a great cause 
and to be a part of the Dickinson community. So we always, all of us are there, mandatory attendance. Good stuff. So how did you get interested in joining ROTC and becoming a part of the Blue Mountain Battalion? That's such a funny question because I always think back to this one defining moment when I was a senior in high school and I walked onto a naval base. I saw the gym and I thought to myself, wow, this is a really nice gym. And then it all just kind of made sense. I was like, I want to be an officer in the military of some sort. And I chose the army because they had the most um, like schools available and most jobs. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do yet. And the reason I'm at Dickinson is also because of ROTC because ROTC does this fancy thing at Dickinson where they cover our room and board in addition to just our tuition. So that was a really attractive factor. Um, as well as Dickinson's emphasis on student athlete cadets and allowing us to have the best of both worlds. Yeah, so I, I by no means understand cross country very well. I ran it one year in high school, but I know there's a very particular way to train for cross country. And I know it's also not the same as ROTC. So how do you kind of balance the two of those? Yeah, so that's a great question because we also are integrating this new army PT test. I don't know if you've seen it, but we're go going away from the traditional run push up sit ups. And we're now doing this, it's called the army combat fitness test. And it has a deadlift, it has a sprint drag carry with a 90 pound sled and a couple other exercises. So it's really just made for people who are a lot bigger than your traditional cross country runner. So I have been, in addition to my normal mileage that my coach prescribes me, um, doing three sessions of like some sort of like leg lifts per week to sort of build up that overall strength and focus on becoming like a more well-rounded athlete other than just endurance. That's great. So I, that's actually what, what, what I was going to bring up uh, was the new army fitness test because my sister is actually doing ROTC at James Madison University and they're implementing it slowly. Um, how, how has that transition been going and have you guys done a, a simulation tests and stuff like that? Like what, how, how's that all going? Yeah, we actually just did our first diagnostic test this past Wednesday and I actually enjoyed it more than I thought I would enjoy it. Um, there are certain things like there's, we do hand release push-ups, and for somebody that's a runner, those aren't so bad. The two mile run is still on the test. And then there are these like knee tucks where it's, you're just pulling up your knees to touch your elbows on a pull-up bar. Um, so things like that work really well for cross country runners. And we also are so fortunate that we have all the equipment necessary. So at least once per week, we're literally out in the field of Dickinson Park and we have like trap bars and we have our sled and we're just like running through the grass fields, deadlifting and doing our runs. That's pretty interesting. So who brings all this stuff out there? These all the coaches just kind of lug everything out there for you guys? So we have a trailer and it all just fits really nicely into the trailer. We have three sets of equipment. So three trap bars, three sets of weights um, and racks. 
and that all just gets loaded into the trailer and then unloaded in a solid 10 minutes because all the cadets are on board. We're all running it down into the grass field. Um, and honestly, it's worked out a lot more efficiently than I would have imagined. I meant to say uh, the Army instructors also, not the coaches. My bad. A little, <laughs> little mishap on my yeah. part there. We call them, the official word for it is our cadre, our cadre instructors. Cadre. Okay. Gotcha. My buddy George Latner would have, he would have beat me for that if I mess <laughs> up anything. No. Don't tell him. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I kind of want to ask you a little bit about scheduling because you have to balance, you, you said three workouts for OTC, your normal runs for cross country, your classes. And I think Sam mentioned to us that you're also in Delta Nu, if I'm not mistaken. So I feel like that's a pretty jam-packed schedule. And I know we talked to this, uh, Phoebe was the other student we've had on so far, and she had a pretty crazy schedule too. How do you go about managing all of those kind of commitments that you have? So the amazing thing is that RETC, we work out in the morning and then practices in the afternoon. So it's perfect. Um, I get two opportunities to work out with really motivated people each day. And then I have my planner every single day. I have a list of tasks and I think it's really just about getting ahead on the weekends. So that way that relieves a lot of the pressure during the week. So I can make sure I'm sleeping eight hours and doing all the things that I need to do. Good stuff. So for those of you, for those of you who don't know, uh, the Blue Mountain Battalion uh, consists of a bunch of different schools. It's uh, so Dickinson would be the hub school, and then there's Gettysburg, uh, there's Penn State, um, Harrisburg, I believe. Um, there's Millersville, and then I think I'm forgetting one other. Elena, what is the other one? Messiah. Messiah. That's right. So. How has, um, in, during the pandemic and stuff, how have you guys integrated uh, the other members of the battalion through the other schools? So for the first two weeks, it was just Dickinson. We weren't integrating with any other schools. And then over the past few weeks, it's been six feet apart. We wear our masks, except for when we're just working out and people are at least in a radius around us. Um, and we've also separated some of our training such that I'm only doing squad formations and all of our army tactical training with Dickinson students so that to minimize that contact. I gotta ask because I'm a diehard calf fan. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of the calf in itself. How have they been feeding you guys? <laughs> is it I can't imagine that it's kind of free for all eat what you want I, I'm, I'm very curious how the calf is operating at this point so for the first two weeks that we were on campus we got these little square containers and it was takeout only so you can imagine for all of the ROTC boys and for somebody who's an athlete, only being able to eat that amount of food was really challenging because it was like, you get back and you're still hungry. Uh, but now that we're dying in, all the same foods, calf meals are still there, which is wonderful. Um, we're just at our six feet apart and we go up and they serve us. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously yeah. talking about the cap, I mean, are you guys able to, you know, study anywhere else, organize any other places? Because I know for me, when I'm on campus, like working in my room is not the easiest task. 
So how do you, how do you work around that or find another place to study if that's an option? Yeah, so the hub has fortunately been open, so you can go down into the hub basement and study in those little cubbies. But other than that, the weather has been amazing in Carlisle lately. So it's been really nice to go out on Morgan Field or go on the benches down below Goodyear, and that's been a really nice change of scenery. I was going to say, I don't think I've ever seen anyone say or heard anyone say the weather in Carlisle has been amazing. Only when the students aren't on campus. <laughs> Car drizzle. That's what it's been like that since my parents were there. So that's interesting. Guy, I don't have any other questions. If you guys have more questions, feel free. But other than that, I think that's. Yeah, Dom, do you have anything? I was just curious, what is the most interesting thing that has happened in the past couple weeks, months of being there? Anything out of the ordinary? out of the ordinary in terms of you know your daily routine <laughs> and what you see every single day that's a tough question not gonna lie um i think the biggest thing that has happened in the past month was at first they didn't have fried eggs with cheese in the calf and we asked them <laughs> for fried eggs with cheese and now we have fried eggs with cheese no. That's I'm sick. happy for you guys. That that was a that was a shock to hear, but I'm 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 glad you guys pulled through. Now, I, was gonna, I was gonna say I have two questions. One's related to cross country and just terms of having a season. Do you guys think you're gonna work towards the spring? Because I know a lot of, a lot of other teams are at least have their fingers crossed about having a spring season. Let alone, and I mean, most of us have our fingers crossed about even coming back to campus right now. But what have you heard about that? What's your ideas about that? So I was just told that on March 20th, we're going to have one cross country championship and that's just gonna be our entire season. And then because most of us also run track, probably all of us also run track and field because we have the 5K and the 10K that accommodate our endurance needs. So after that, we'll just move straight into outdoor track. Gotcha. So when you, you have that, like you, it's just, it's going to be one meet the entire, like the entire country or the conference? The conference from my understanding. Okay. That, and, uh, that's still unbelievable. I mean, so training now is going to be even more like we, we have to, we, we got to get all this done so that we can go out because it's anybody's game right now. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's crazy. That's, uh, that's one of the most interesting things I've ever heard come out of the pandemic. That's, that's awesome. So this last question I have is actually for Dom, since he's the big calf guy. So since you're on campus still eating calf food, what is your favorite meal in the calf? Have you ever had the Thai sweet potato quinoa bowl? I don't think I have that. No. Uh, I know, I know, I know what you're talking about though. I know what you're talking about. I do. I've never Let me tell it. you, I think people stray away from the meals that are considered vegan or have lots of vegetables in it, but that one is a quality meal and you should definitely try it. I would love to. I would eat, I would eat plates upon plates of it right now if I could. I know. I was on a, uh, I was on a student panel today for admissions um, and they asked me what my, what my favorite calf meal was and I, w I was dumbfounded. So I had to throw out calf's giving. Like, that's that's what I said. I said calf's giving. So. That's a weak answer. That no, is, it's uh, not. Kind of, the calf's giving is one of the pretty, best that's, of the year. That's a pretty weak answer. 
I can't believe oh, Dom. As a, as, a fellow, as a fellow calf sitter, I got, I'm I'm upset that that you don't see eye to eye with me on the, about the calf's giving. I feel it's, like that's kind of a cop out answer, uh, though. No. Yeah. You guys, continue to flame me for my for my take. It's okay. It's we'll, we'll, it's what, we'll it's what the show is about. Just flame. We should just right. change the name. Flame, flame Glavin. Like, get out of here. I respect <laughs> it. And I'm still holding out to hope that they're going to have calf's giving. Yeah, I hope they at least give you that. Yeah, See, I feel cal- like calf's give you something. What the people want. It's what the people want. It's calf's giving. Yeah, they got to give you some Thank kind you. of calf's giving. Even if it's not exactly the same, they got to make something work. Yeah, but I mean, that's all I got. Do you guys have anything else? Good. I'm good to go. Elena, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, it was a blast. It was probably one of the, our most interesting interviews because we just have no idea what's going on on campus. And it's we were glad to have you on the show to, to give us that insight. Yeah, we got the inside scoop. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you all so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you again. And uh, of course. We'll, and we'll be back in a, a couple seconds and do the final segment. All right, we are back and ready for another quick word from the gravy. Complex is something no coach or athlete wants to deal with, which is why every team aims to keep schemes and execution simple so success is easy to achieve. That is the game plan used by the Grazery right here in Carlisle. Simple ingredients that are fresh, healthy, and above all delicious. Healthy, not boring food that is not just good for you. They're not just good, but good for you. Made from only the healthiest and simple ingredients. So come in today and enjoy a great meal made simple at the Grazery located at 156 West High Street, Carlisle. All right, and we are back from our interview with Elena Clancy. That was great stuff. Uh, so let's jump into our final segment, uh, which is we're going to give you all our top five NBA players of all time. So, uh, Sam, you want to go ahead and start us off? Yeah, I'll start out with my number five, and it's the man who the NBA Finals MVP trophy is named after, and Bill Russell, a man who actually averaged over 20 rebounds per game in his career. I believe it was something like 22 rebounds per game. And that man being also a, you know, multiple championship winner and a Celtic. So a little personal bias in there had to make my list at number five. Sorry about that. I was on mute. Uh, My number five is probably somewhat up for debate, but my number five is the late Kobe Bryant, who was one of my favorite players growing up. And he, you know, it wasn't, I mean, he played 20 years with the same team and gave so much to basketball, won a couple different championships. And even before he tragically passed away, he, you know, touched a lot of people and inspired uh, an entire you know, nation of shooters. So uh, Kobe is number, my number five. And interestingly enough, Kobe Bryant is also my number five. Um, obviously it wouldn't be a top five list with Sam Glavin if I didn't have a little bit of Philly bias in there. Um, you know, he's a kid from Lower Marion and he just gave so much to the game of basketball. He was always a player that I loved watching growing up. And, um, you know, he just, he's the man, uh, one of the, one of the most clutch players of all time as well. He was, he was phenomenal. He was phenomenal. And I'm, I'm very sad that, that he's no longer, uh, no longer with us right now. So, uh, Sammy, go ahead and give us your number four. Yeah, my number four is uh, another Celtic in Larry Bird. He was a, uh, you know, 24, 25-point scorer. I mean, most people wouldn't put him inside their top five, maybe 
you know, seven or eight or something like that. But Larry Bird is, you know, just a personal favorite being a Celtic great and uh, just a fun guy to watch overall, especially in the highlights and clips that I think we'll see. Unfortunately, not able to watch him in uh, my own life. Well, this is up for debate because he played in an era with, you know, wasn't, there wasn't the athleticism or competition, but still uh, I've heard stories of him and I've seen some very black, highlights but still only player to ever score 100 points a game and just the numbers that he put up were absolutely insane so i, I gotta go wilt number four that's interesting and uh and shameless plug inbound uh we've, i had a uh on one of my wolves of broad street podcast episodes i had the uh producer from 94 wip the radio station uh on uh my show as a guest jack fritz and he came up with he is an adamant wilt chamberlain hater and he thinks that he's the the most overrated player of all time. And he gave a phenomenal argument. So if you want to check that out, go check out uh, Wolves of Broad Street, the interview with Jack Fritz. It was fantastic. I won't spoil it for you, but it was a very, very compelling argument. And I, uh, I might, I might lean towards agreeing with him. Uh, but next on my list is uh, I'm going to go with Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, Shaq is probably one of the most dominant players we've ever seen. Um, and there's never been a other, another center like him in the, in the league. Obviously it's not a center's league anymore, but he was just unbelievably dominant and he did it with a whole bunch of different teams. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Shaq. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm gonna have to listen to that episode of your podcast because Wilt's my, uh, Wilt's my three. Interesting. So. Interesting. Yeah. It's a very compelling argument. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting. It's really interesting. I mean, think about it though. The man averaged, even if it was a slightly less athletic, it, he averaged over 30 points a game and over 20 rebounds a game. I don't care who you are. If you're able to dominate like that, you got to, you, you earn at least some recognition. Yeah. yeah. My number three is LeBron. I'm not a LeBron fan. I think he is. I think LeBron is number three. I'm not a huge Bron fan. <clears throat> I think he's a cornball and he annoys me. <laughs> so he's my number three. Oh, that's great. Wow. That's, that's really interesting. I know Justin and Sammy and I were talking about, um, uh, you know, the Jordan LeBron thing and Justin was, totally convinced that Jordan and LeBron were going to be all of our number twos or ones. Uh, Dom came in with the, uh, with the curveball. I like it. Every week Dom's got the curveball. I know. Every yeah, week. You, you know, I, you know, I have to throw in a curveball. Yeah. I thought about throwing in a, throwing a wrench into things lo- lower down in my list, but I decided not to, I decided to keep this one a little, a little more realistic. So yeah, my wrench my, is honorable mention, I, I was much less ambitious. Yeah. Yeah. So I got a, for my number three, I've got a Kareem, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He was, you know, it's probably another one of the most dominant uh, centers. And, you know, I've realized that I do have a lot of Lakers on, on my, uh, on my, on my squad right now, but you know, Kareem is definitely up there for me. Yeah. Um, so my number two is LeBron and there's two things I'll do. I'll t- say to the reason why he's my number two, and that'll be one. He's a great player, probably the best of our generation currently, but the, thing I talk about in the first segment with him not being a late game closer and the other thing, which is his most important record, which is his NBA finals record, which is four and six. So those are the two things I look at and I'll touch on Jordan in a minute. Yeah. My, excuse me. My number two is Kareem. Just, I don't know. I, I think I'm biased towards him over LeBron uh, I think the Kareem Skyhook and just the amount of points that he was able to score at the position he played, 
uh, was extremely impressive. And that's pretty much my argument. That's Kareem's one number two. Yeah, Kareem's a solid, solid choice. Uh, my number two is also LeBron James. Uh, I mean, definitely the most dominant player of our generation, um, I think. Um, and I agree with Sammy. He's not quite number one, just because he's like Sammy. Sammy stole my stat. He's four and six in the finals. And uh, earlier he was saying that uh, he doesn't really have the the clutch factor as my as my number one on my list. You guys can all guess. Uh, so that's why I'm going with LeBron at number two. Yeah. So honorable mention. Um, this one's not necessarily like my six in terms of quality, but just kind of someone I wanted to plug. So we're gonna throw in Dirk Nowitzki. It's my honorable mention. I, I love Dirk. That, that's yeah. a good call, Sammy. I love Dirk. My honorable mention is the big fundamental, Tim Duncan. Uh, I was a big Tim Duncan fan growing up. I uh, thought he was just a very interesting cat and mm-hmm. obviously way more dominant than people realize. Tim my honorable mention. Yeah, and uh, my honorable mention, uh, none other than the answer, uh, Allen Iverson. Uh, he's probably my favorite basketball player of all time. And, um, you know, it wouldn't, like I said earlier, wouldn't, wouldn't be a, a Glavin list of, uh, of players if there, wasn't a, if there wasn't a Philly guy on there. So my honorable mention is uh, Allen Iverson. Yeah, I mean, my favorite players of all time weren't even close to making this list, so we're just going to leave them unsaid. Uh, but my number one is Michael Jordan, and – the simple fact of the matter is he was 6-0 in the NBA Finals. Yep. And if you want to compare career stats or anything to LeBron, he's not playing as long as LeBron. It's just a matter of fact. Like, he's not – and it's a completely different era. So, to compare them is a question – I mean, a bigger question is whether you even want to have a conversation at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my number two – or, sorry, my number one is also Michael Jordan. Not really much else to be said, so – and that being said, my number one is also Michael Jordan. So I'm glad we're all in agreement there. Um, Jumpman, man, he's just even watch so like, even watching like uh, even watching um, the Last Dance, you know that really for me it's solidified um, the the spot for for Michael Jordan just sitting in number one. I mean, I don't think LeBron nearly had the mental nearly has the mentality that Michael Jordan had um, back when he was playing. Um, well, LeBron James is a great player, no question about it. But I think that uh, that mental edge is huge in sports, and we talk about it all the time, especially uh, you know, and in baseball and just in all sports in general. So I'm gonna give my number one to Michael Jordan. Yeah, I mean the the one thing, the last thing I gotta say about it is someone was trying to convince me that uh, the reason Jordan should be behind him is the quality of teammate he was. And I mean, well, like I guess I see where it's coming from. One, that's not enough to move him behind. And two, Jordan wasn't a nut, probably a nice guy because he just wanted more. He wanted the ball. He wanted to win. And that's basically it. I agree. Winners win. That's all. Win. I mean, most people probably didn't think Kobe was the nicest guy when he was on the court. No. I think that's going to brush today for speak of the devil's podcast thank you so much for uh for listening to the show and thank you again to elena clancy for coming to join the show uh, it was a great interview and uh roll devs you guys next week peace